Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for more than a decade. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so that you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. In our last episode, we talked with Dr. Anthony Fletcher, who's a cardiologist at CHI St. Vincent, about his experience on the front lines with COVID uh, and the disparities that he saw along with any long COVID impact. In this episode, which is our 46th, we're talking with Arkansas Center for Health Improvement President and CEO, Dr. Joe Thompson, about findings from our report on the same topic. So let's jump right in. Now, Dr. Thompson, I, I know from the peer-reviewed literature that there are documented disparities in COVID outcomes. So what are some of the highlights from the Arkansas-specific analyses that, that we've done? Rick, thanks for having me, and thanks for paying, keeping attention on this important subject. We took data from the health department's test data and also uh, their MAVEN data when they were tracking individuals through the pandemic and looked at differential outcomes with respect to race and ethnicity. We looked at individuals that were Hispanic, that were non-Hispanic black, non-Hispanic Pacific Islander, non-Hispanic white. And unfortunately in our state, we saw the same directionality, but may even greater impact for minorities, for individuals that are essential health workers in lower income jobs, uh, for individuals that are in rural parts of our state that may have access problems, and obviously the combination of those uh, makes it even more challenging. We looked at really three outcomes. Uh, one were people who tested positive. Mm-hmm. Second was whether people had been hospitalized. And obviously the third were uh, the worst outcome, uh, people who ended up having a death. We standardized these as a rate per 10,000 individuals so we could compare across racial subgroups. And what we found uh, uh, validates what I think was reported, some reports during the pandemic, but we can actually put a number on it now. Uh, Clearly, early in the pandemic and in the first peak during the parental transmission of the COVID-19 virus, the Pacific Islanders took an enormous burden of the illness. Mm-hmm. They had almost a twofold greater likelihood to be tested positive than any other racial subgroup uh, at about 4,000 per 10,000 uh, Pacific Islanders. The next group was Hispanics at 2,200 per 10,000, followed by non-Hispanic blacks at 2,000 per 10,000, and then non-Hispanic whites. So uh, clearly a burden for Pacific Islanders in testing. Uh, we also saw that positivity rate uh, turning into hospitalization rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, the likelihood of hospitalizations was twofold greater for Pacific Islanders than uh, non-Hispanic Blacks and non-Hispanic Blacks, uh, twofold greater um, than, uh, than other categories. So again, I think our minority populations took a hit early on uh, in both testing positive and then subsequently having hospitalizations and deaths. As our system responded, some of those differences um, leveled out. Uh, I think you know the state did a good job reaching out to those disenfranchised communities and trying to offer support so that by the time the Delta variant came along, we actually saw a more even distribution, although 
our low-income communities and our communities of color continue to share a disproportionate burden, uh, it was not as dramatically different. And in fact, uh, a larger number of whites died uh, during the second peak uh, than our uh, minority population. So I think this puts an important point on knowing who is at risk, knowing who's exposed, and knowing who has access to early care, early treatment, so that if we ever face this in the future, and we can respond quickly and appropriately. Right. And you mentioned that you you did analyses on some of the early pandemic and through the Delta. Um, and are there plans to do some with the Omicron variant? The analyses we did so far, again, in partnership with the health department, uh, their Office of Minority Health, and the uh, uh, Transparency Initiative looked at the original early period, the first wave of the parent Omicron, or parents COVID-19, the second wave of the Delta variant of COVID-19, and we're collecting the data now to look at the Omicron variant, which had about fourfold more infections, but hopefully our system had been able to be prepared to respond to that wave when it happened. But we do look forward to reporting on that at some point in the future. Okay. So I know you also looked at uh, long COVID and first, uh, tell everybody what long COVID is and, and how did you identify those conditions and assess whether there was some type of impact from a COVID infection? So with any new infectious disease, we don't know much at the start. Uh, and that was true with COVID-19. As time evolved, we all have heard of and may know people who continue to have you know, new symptoms following their COVID-19 after they've gotten over the acute infection, but have new conditions. There appears to be, and has been reported in the uh, peer-reviewed literature and from the clinical front lines, as, as Dr. Fletcher mentioned last week, um, you know, there are five major areas that we're seeing, you know, clusters of conditions that people didn't have before COVID, but after they're o over COVID, and for our thing, our definition, it was 45 days after their acute infection, they continue to have problems in either a cardiovascular area, so heart attacks, strokes, uh, uh, vascular issues, cardiometabolic, diabetes, hyperlipidemia, hypertriglyceridemia, that would be a second group. Cognitive disorders, this is where you have the brain fog that people report. Uh, fatigue, where you just have no energy, you can't get up and go on, or respiratory issues. Uh, continued challenges in, in having stamina because of a, a respiratory or a breathing situation. Those are five different areas. Mm -hmm. What we did is we paired the health department's test data, those that we knew to have COVID, with the transparency initiative data, the all pair claims database under the authority of the insurance department. And we looked downstream from the time that people had COVID for who either had worsening of symptoms in these five areas or may have presented with new symptoms in these five areas after they had COVID. What we found is in each of these five areas, cardiometabolic, cardiovascular, cognitive, uh, brain fog or fatigue, and respiratory, that if you had any of these symptoms or conditions before you had COVID, they were far worsened after you had COVID compared to those that we have no evidence that they had been previously infected. Uh, sometimes as much as a, a twofold increase in the number of visits or the costs associated with your care. For those individuals who did not have previous episodes or, or cluster-related conditions, many people did develop cluster conditions afterwards. And particularly if you were hospitalized with a severe case of COVID 
the likelihood of you having problems from long COVID were much greater and the cost associated that with that much higher. So COVID does appear to have a long-term impact for those individuals that have these problems before COVID, it made them far worse. Mm -hmm. For those individuals who had COVID, particularly severe COVID, uh, their problems with long COVID downstream uh, continue to be an issue that we need to pay close attention to and learn from to know how to support these individuals. So the infection matters and also the severity of the infection. Yeah. Correct. So one of the things, you know, as we move downstream, we knew, do have a new diagnosis code specific to long COVID. Mm. So some of the clarity around what long COVID is and our ability to track that will be enhanced. And I think over time, we'll be able to put a sharper picture on what long COVID is, what treatments they work. I think there is evidence that I would encourage everybody who tests positive uh, to seek the uh, therapy uh, because it may decrease your likelihood of long COVID uh, with evidence that's forthcoming now also. Okay. So when you look at all the analyses, what, what should we learn from these and wh what's the takeaway? I think the takeaway is in our healthcare system, predating COVID, we had communities and, and groups of individuals that did not have adequate access that did have challenges getting care when they needed it, and unfortunately probably were uh, exposed to more uh, challenges because of the jobs they had or the roles that they played in our society. COVID came along and just highlighted those disparities. Uh, I think we have a roadmap now because of COVID where the disparities are greatest. And I think from a policy perspective, from a practice perspective, from a, a community perspective, we need to learn from this and do what we can to safeguard those communities, uh, those low-income communities and communities of color going forward, uh, so that in our next emergency and during the time between now and then, we're better serving those communities and we can protect them in, in a new threat when it emerges. Well, um, I know that you've done a, a webinar on this, so I would encourage our listeners, if you want more details, uh, you can go to the achi.net website uh, and locate that webinar information and, and watch it all the way through to see some of the graphics. Um, anything else you want to leave us with, Dr. Thompson? I would just have people recognize that, that while the emergency and the uh, uh, threat of the COVID transmission is lower, we still have individuals that are infected. I think we still have many individuals that have been affected, whether that's mental health issues, whether that's social stressors. Uh, and I think it's a time for us to to come together and to recognize you know, what we need to do to safeguard the future health, safety, and vitality of our families and our communities across the state. All right. Good advice. Thanks for joining us so much, Dr. Thompson, and, and sharing this new information that's Arkansas-specific about our experience with COVID. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Wonks at Work. You can listen to our bi-weekly podcast on our website, achi.net. A special thanks to the Bobby L. Roberts Library of Arkansas History and Art, which is a part of the Central Arkansas Library System for allowing us to use their studio to record. If you have any topics you would like for us to consider, please email us at achi.net at achi.net. As a reminder, 
The views, information, and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The podcast does not constitute medical, legal, or other professional advice or services. We hope you've enjoyed our latest episode, and again, thanks for listening.